Well, friends, you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis 6. And as you do, um, I just want to give you greetings from Pastor Dave, who was sick last week and is sick again this week with another cold, Um, feeling very miserable. And he's supposed to get on a plane Tuesday to go to board meetings in PRMI down in North Carolina. So please keep him in prayer. He wishes he could be here. He really can't even believe that he's sick again. So um, I'm hearing some echo, and I'm trusting that the sound people are working on it. So um, this morning we're going to continue what we started last week with looking at the um, topic of faith. If you remember, faith is trust in action. Um, Faith involves an inner assurance, a cognitive belief, um, as well as an outward dimension of actions that are done in obedience to God. And so if you remember from last week, if you were here, I had a zero-gravity chair up there, right? And I talked about you could stand beside it and believe it could hold you up. But really to exercise faith in that meant you needed to go ahead and sit down and enjoy pushing back and letting it hold you up. And um, this is Christ and his promises to us. We can stand here and we can cognitively give recognition like I I acknowledge Christ. But to really express faith is to go beyond just belief and our actions. All right. And so... We believe that God wants to encourage us and grow us in our faith. And so we're going to look at a few people from Hebrews 11. And so this morning, we're going to look at the story of Noah and the flood. And before we do, I want to pray, um, asking the Lord to bless the reading of his word. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you that you, Holy Spirit, open our eyes. You open our hearts. You give us faith in order to believe, and we exercise that faith. And so, Lord, I pray that as we read your word and listen to this message, that you would be at work in each of us, Holy Spirit, opening our minds, opening our hearts, helping us to respond. Lord, impart more faith and help us to receive and live into that faith that you will give. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Genesis 6, I'm going to read verses 9 to 22. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. In our measurement today, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. 
make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit, which is 18 inches high, all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And then looking back at Hebrews 11, verse 7, I want to read what um, that book of the um, heroes of our faith, what it says about Noah. Hebrews 11:7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Sometimes when we look at a passage of scripture, we try to figure out as um, preachers, what's the trouble here? And where do we see grace in this text? And so I want to just name that I see the trouble being a corrupt earth without faith that deeply grieves the heart of God. That, I believe, is what the trouble, the primary trouble is here. And the grace is that God rightly and initially judges through a flood, and then he mercifully begins the long process of redemption, which culminates in the coming of Jesus through his death on the cross. He makes payment for all sin and all evil that's corrupted the earth. That's a good place for us to say thanks be to God. All right, so we want to look at this passage of Scripture and see what we can learn about God and about our exercise of faith. And so first, what I see is that God, the Creator, is carefully observing all of His creation. And what is God looking for? He's looking for faith. What does he see? Well, if we would have looked back a little bit in Genesis 6, verses 5 to 8, says that the Lord saw how, the, how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I'll wipe from the face of the earth, the human race that I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures, for I regret that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so what does the Lord see when he looks at the earth? He sees wickedness. He sees hearts that are always and only turned towards evil all the time. He sees an earth that's full of violence. And he sees people that have corrupted their ways. God's original design was corrupted. 
All right. His design was very good. Remember, each day of the creation, when he made the creatures, he made the land, it was good, it was good. And then he made the pinnacle of his creation, which were human beings that were bearing his image. And he says, it's very good. And so his design was for this intimate relationship that he would interact with his people, his creatures, and that they would trust him and that they would love him and that they would trust his guidance and his provision because he was going to completely provide everything they needed. And it was very good. And then sin has corrupted it, corroded it, this valued relationship between himself and humanity. And if we remember from last week, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What did I, impossible means impossible. All right. So God's heart is deeply troubled, it says in verse 6. He loves his creation. He loves his people. He hates sin and corruption. And he can't coexist. Holiness cannot coexist with evil. And so he must and he will judge. And yet we also see that he's compassionate and merciful. And he makes a choice right at this point in Genesis 6 to begin the long road of redemption and saving humanity. And he looks, and this is a marvel to me, but he finds someone who's righteous. And he chooses to work through that person, Noah, that's living righteously in this divine human cooperation. We see that pattern right here in the Noah story. Noah is righteous. Now, what does this mean? Because it's already told us that people are evil and they're corrupt, and we know that sin corrupted our nature. And so what does it mean that he can be called righteous? Well, in the Old Testament, there's two meanings. Um, Jacob talked about looking up the definitions, right? Well, in the Old Testament... The word righteous can mean pure and holy, which Noah was not. He was not perfect. And if you read on after the story of um, the flood, we see he fell into sin again. But righteousness can also mean living with your life oriented towards God, seeking to please him and following him in obedience. And certainly Noah was righteous. He was seeking to live rightly to believe he believed God existed, he was trying to please him, and he was living righteously. We can see this in the psalmist where um, King David, we know that he was a man after God's own heart, and we also know that he sinned, but he repented. And so he could say with the psalmist, the Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. Psalm 18, if you want to look that up later. All right, so... God looks and he sees a righteous person and he chooses to start working through that righteous person to start bringing the story of redemption. And so Noah, the ark, the flood, it's a picture foreshadowing this whole story of Jesus and his redemption. And so when I say it's a foreshadowing of Jesus' salvation, I mean Jesus, Noah, was a righteous person. He built an ark, saved people from the flood, and um, carried out God's purposes. Well, Jesus perfectly, like Noah, except perfectly, lived a righteous life, both in purity and in living according to his father's intentions. He actually becomes the ark to save us, and there will be a judgment. And so we see this picture in the Old Testament, and it starts to give us a picture 
of redemption. All right? Now, God lifts Noah up as an example of faith, and I believe there's lessons that we can learn about how can we live as people of righteousness and faith. And so Noah is living righteously. He has a faith that God exists, and he seeks to please him. Second thing, Noah is sensitive to God's promptings. When God spoke, Noah responded. Noah exercised faith when God gave the warning that a flood was coming. All right, Noah had to trust that this was true, that there was a God, that he, it was his responsibility to judge, that he was powerful enough that he could bring floods and that he could actually destroy the earth. He had to trust that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. And then Noah puts his faith in action by building an ark in obedience. Hebrews 11:7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about these things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. All right, so he's, he's functioning in a holy fear. Now, that doesn't mean scared, terrified to death, although if somehow the holy God had somehow spoken to you, I imagine there was a measure of fear and trembling, of reverence, of respect, of honor of God. And this, too, is an exercise in faith. Another thing I think we can notice is and learn from is Noah doesn't allow obstacles to interfere with his obedience. Now, it doesn't tell us in Scripture that he encountered obstacles, but my own life experience, and I think you would agree, when God asks us to be obedient, there's obstacles. And when we think about a corrupt world that was evil all the time, we can just imagine that there was some pushback that um, Noah would have encountered. And we've got an enemy, the devil, and his workers that try to wreak havoc with our thoughts. And so I think one of the things that he must have overcome was doubt. Is this really going to happen in this arid environment? We're going to have a flood, and we're going to have enough water to destroy all of creation? He must have encountered those thoughts that were tempting him to doubt. Is this the best way to provide for my family if I'm going to give all my time and attention? And if it's an agricultural environment or a service environment, he had an occupation he had to do to provide for his family. And he's going to give the building of an ark the priority of his time and attention. He had to make that decision. And then... I wonder whether he wondered at times, was this just my own imagination? Was this my thought? Was this a crazy dream? And yet he doesn't let doubt get in the way. Also, I think about how he overcame fatigue. This is not the time of power tools and air compressors and, you know, (laughs) staple guns and things that, you know, nail guns, nail guns. That's what I meant. I don't think you're going to put together an ark with a staple gun. (laughs) All right. So there's no... You know, everything hand by hand. It's a hard job, the cost of the labor, the food. How do you even know how much food you need? How do you know what the animals eat? You probably don't, if you're Noah, even know all the animals that exist. Okay, but all this thing could make you mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. He doesn't give in to fatigue. 
Then I think about this, he overcame the fear of looking foolish. All right? Can you imagine in a desert-type environment that people are seeing him build this humongous boat? The jeering, the harassment. He must have appeared like a fool when he was trying to explain what he was doing and in the process give a warning. There is a God who's looking for faith. And we're not living according to his ways. Another thing that I think he overcame is shortcuts to obedience. All right? God gave him very specific instructions on how to build this ark. This long, this wide, this high, this kind of door. Position it in the middle, not down low. And also put pitch inside and out and get all the kinds of food that you're going to need. And if he had not obeyed exactly animals wouldn't have all fit and they wouldn't have had the right supplies for the journey and he didn't he did not take shortcuts because we see that all the animals came in and they survived the journey on the ark genesis 6:22 and it's also repeated in 7:5 noah did everything just as god commanded him noah's faith is expressed in righteous living. He's living rightly according to God. So now how does this apply to us today? Knowing, I think, first of all, just being aware that God and being reminded that God is watching his creation all the time. And what does he see right now? He sees wickedness on earth. I believe it's escalating. There was a prophetic word about 50 years ago saying that this person saw that there was a rise of approval of homosexuality and that there were celebrations in the streets of the cities and countries around the world. And at that time, people thought, that's not going to happen. And now we have Pride Month and Pride Parades and celebrations in every major city in our nation, and many places around the world. Wickedness is present. Violence and corruption are rampant in our culture. There are many things, I think, today in our culture and our world that are similar when we read the story of what was going on at the time of Noah. Friends, God is watching, and he's looking again for righteous living. For people of faith, just like in Noah's day, in the parable of the persistent widow, in Luke 18, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's been looking for faith all along. I want to ask, how are we responding to the warnings and the instructions that God's given us? He gave warnings and he gave instructions to Noah. How are we responding to the warnings and instructions that he's given us through his word and by his spirit? Now, a core belief from our Apostles' Creed is that Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. Do you remember that from the Apostles' Creed? So Jesus has warned us. He's told us he's coming again to judge. We've received warnings through God's word. Maybe you remember the series that we preached from Haggai 
in early 2020, God was calling his people to prioritize his presence and his priorities and focus on building his temple. And it said there was going to be a great shaking, but there was also going to be a great glory. And just as we finished that series, COVID hit the world and our our country, our state particularly, shut down tighter than could be unimaginable. I kept scratching my head going, can this be that all the universities, the, our businesses, like everything, and we're told to stay home? Like, how can this be? But there was a shaking coming, and God's word said it. And then it happened. We felt like it was a now word. In the sermon series from Matthew 24 on end times, maybe you remember Pastor Dave gave a series on what can we expect in the end times. And we don't know the hour, we don't know the day, but we're supposed to pay attention and recognize the season that we're in. And what did we learn? But we learned that there are birth pangs. Before Christ comes again to judge, there's going to be these birth pangs on earth. There's going to be famines, there's going to be earthquakes, there'll be wars, there'll be rumors of wars. Many people will fall away from the faith. Many will betray and hate each other. False prophets will rise up to deceive many. There'll be a rise of wickedness, and the love of many will grow cold. There'll be false messiahs with counterfeit power. And the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come when Jesus returns. And he'll come to judge, and he'll come to usher in his new creation. More recently, we've heard from several of you and had a sense that maybe there's another birth pain coming. Maybe there's another shaking coming. Perhaps it will involve more hardship. Maybe it will involve more persecution of Christians, more danger. And we're sensing at that time that if there's this this evil that happens and this difficulty that happens simultaneously, there's going to be this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a major move of God to bring in those that need to still come into the kingdom. Our admin elders spent time looking at Hebrews 12, 22 to 29, thinking about the city of God and the joyful um, time that we have. But he says, once more, there will be a shaking but praise God and give joy and thanks that your, our, his kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. All right? And so there's not fear of what's to come, but we need to be prepared. And we need to be people of faith that are functioning in ways that honor God, the instructions that he's given us. And so these instructions, general instructions, and this is not an exhaustive list, But a couple of instructions that he's given to all believers is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so love. Go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28. But wait till you've been clothed with power from on high, Luke 24. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So abide, remain, fellowship, enjoy this relationship that we have. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 5:17, pray continually, pray. 
And then specific to Gold Avenue Church, he's given us this vision to see the gospel of Jesus Christ transform our hearts, our neighborhood, and the world. All right, that's specific to us, but very general and applicable to many churches around the world. But this is what he's called us to do, to see the gospel transform our lives, our neighborhood, the world. He's also given us this mission that empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we would each use our gifts to embody, proclaim, and advance the kingdom of God. And so, is our church, is our congregation, exercising faith by living righteously? Are we collectively and are we individually considering and taking serious the instructions he's given us? And so I want to ask a few questions for you to just reflect on. And maybe you want to go back and listen to this if you don't get it. I know some of you are taking notes. Furiously, you can go back and listen to it. But I want to ask you these questions this morning. Do we know and love the gospel of God's kingdom? Number two, are we earnestly seeking God? Remember, it talked last week about earnestly seeking him, meaning that we pursue him passionately with all of our energy and all of our strength toward knowing and pleasing him. Number three, would you describe your life as righteous? And would God describe your life as righteous? Number four, are we living with our eyes fixed on Jesus and preparing for his return? Are you longing for Jesus to come back? I keep finding myself when I read different news articles just going, Jesus, come back. Come back. Please come back. All right. Another question, have we welcomed the empowering work of the Spirit, or are we learning to use our gifts to embody, proclaim, and advance the kingdom of God? And finally, are we walking in trust and obedience to any instructions that he's given us as a church and personally? You know, Scripture said this about Noah, that he commended him because he did everything just like the Lord had told him. And we want to be a community of God that God will end up commending and saying they did everything just like I told them to do. Even when it didn't make sense or even if it didn't look familiar. Because remember, that probably didn't make sense to Noah to build this huge ark. And it wasn't a familiar thing. And the Lord may ask us to do some things that we, like, we don't, have an, we don't have a model of a church doing this, or we haven't seen this. And yet, if God says to do it, I heard a church say they gave all their money to the poor. They did not save up money for a building. They gave it away because that was God's call on them, their particular one, to just, they were marked as a people that would love the poor, and they gave their sons away. Well, God has called us to do some things here at Gold Avenue that maybe some of you have wondered, does this make sense? Why are we spending so much time on writing the gospel tool curriculum, Bible study curriculum? And why are the pastors spending the month of July working on revisions to the manual? But, friends, we feel like and the the leadership of the church has affirmed that we need to know how to go and make disciples. 
and we need to create a tool, and we're eager for this discipleship to have another round of discipleship here. But we also are feeling like the Lord wants to have other churches have a resource. Perhaps there'll be a time when we can't gather publicly, but do we have resources, and are there resources available so that you know how to continue to be faithful to go and make disciples? We are eager, and we believe that we um, are doing this in obedience to God's command. God's call to um, go and prayer walk the west side. Many prayers have been prayed, asking the Lord to bring in the harvest as you walk and pray. And I think about it's just like Noah putting up the boards in the place of the ark. You're placing these prayers up. And Noah did his part, and then God called the animals in. And we need to do our part to be present, to pray, to make connections, and then trust that God will do his part to bring people into the kingdom as we share the gospel. God sees your faithfulness. He sees your willingness to go, even when there's obstacles in your schedule or you'd rather not, or it's hot that day or it's raining or whatever. Those of you that are out in prayer walking, you're being faithful. And God sees it. We know that some of you have sensed a specific call to pray for revival. You're getting up early. Thank you for those that are giving leadership to that. For those of you that are getting up to pray at 630 on Thursday mornings. Others of you are praying on Wednesday at noon for the vision and the mission of our church. God sees us exercising faith in these ways and through these actions. Some of you have been praying for specific family members, friends, co-workers to come to know Jesus. You've been sharing the hope that you have. Um, I was in tears, Jan, as you got up to talk about sharing, like having the gospel, a little testament in your Bible, watching for an opportunity. Who needs to know the hope of Jesus? Because you listen to a message, and then you're exercising faith and obedience. That's righteous living, Jan. And it brought me to tears, and I thought, how do I have the opportunity and the blessing to be a pastor of a church where so many people are taking God seriously and exercising their faith? And I just sense the pleasure of God and the smile of God, and it's an honor for me to say, I feel like the Lord is smiling on this church, and he's saying, well done and keep going. There's more work to do. I'm sorry to cry, but I'm not sorry because I think Noah cried when he heard about people that were going to be destroyed. And there are people all around us that need the gospel. And we want to be righteous. We want to live as if God truly is alive and he's watching us and he's going to reward those who live by faith. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for those that are giving of your time and energy to restart the nursery and the children's ministries. We are praying for the Lord to raise up a generation of empowered, multiplying disciples. And so thank you for what you're doing to start and what we trust the Lord's going to bring in the rest of what's needed to be able to raise up this next generation There are many ways as a body that we're seeking to be obedient to Jesus' command to go, to share the gospel, to prepare them for Jesus' return. 
And with every act of reverent obedience, you're living righteously. And I believe God commends that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. Lord, I thank you that just like Noah, we, like, Lord, you, you are so good to us. And you've made us in your image. And it's an honor to serve you. And it's amazing grace that you would have opened our eyes. And Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our neighborhood, our city, our nation, and the world. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be found faithful. That we would overcome any distraction. And that we would be a people after your own heart. Grow us in our faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.